0: Hello, everybody. Everybody's been talking about COP28, but have we forgotten what the most important way to get to net zero is? Well, I tell you what, I happen to have an old friend of the podcast, and we have had so much fun in the past. I'll tell you what, I love this line in her paper from the Alliance to Save Energy. It is. Demand (laughs) is the new supply, affordable grid stability through demand side solutions. We don't ever talk about this. And I've got
1: the Paula Glover here. Thank you, Paula, for stopping by the podcast. No, thank you so much for having me. And thank you so much for reading our white paper. So much.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I love the uh, Alliance to Save Energy
1: because we forget what, if you save it, you don't got to make it. Right. That's literally the message, right? That there are two sides of this equation for the transition. One is supply. That's where are we are going to get our energy from? Is it going to be all electric? Is it going to be gas, nuclear, oil, a mix, hydro, hydrogen, renewable gas? Um, but we don't talk about the other piece, which is that you don't actually have to use all of it. And that there is so much that we can get in saving our energy before we ever have to build or burn something to create more energy.
0: You know, I met you when you were at um, the um, ABE, the American Association of Blacks and Energy. And I I can't believe that you we've known each other for this Couple of years on that, and you're just got back from COP. You delivered this
1: message at, at COP. Tell us about that. Yeah, you were there you know, 10 days. I was there for 10 days and had the opportunity to participate, um, either moderate or speak on panels with just all kinds of partners. So, companies like Carrier, um, but I also had the opportunity to moderate a panel for the European Union, the European Commission. Um, and to participate in a panel wow. um, as part of America's All In. So a lot of opportunity to talk about efficiency, but I will say what was most exciting about COP, um, and so we're, we're going to give yep. you the headline at the beginning and at the end, um, is that we had over 120 countries at COP pledge to not only triple their renewable generation, but more importantly, to double their energy efficiency, to lean in on energy efficiency and to double that um, year over year, 4% year over year to 2030. And that is huge to go from what I call the first fuel that no one ever talks about to literally be the headline. And the headline early on, this was 100 and I think in excess of 120 countries, 117 who had signed by last Sunday. And by Tuesday or Wednesday, we were at 122 countries. And so that oh, cool. actually is super significant. And, and, you know, our administration, we're making big investments in efficiency already here in the States. And so it's an opportunity right. for us to show what leadership looks like, to show the rest of the world, how do you use carrots and sticks to get this work done, um, but also to recognize that saving and not wasting is part of our culture. It's the basics of what we think about as people. Yeah. And so efficiency Um, not just around power, but also around water should be a tenant that we should be focusing on first. And then we should be doing all the other things. Um, You know, so oftentimes people will hear me say that this transition, climate change is not a problem we can build our way out of. We are going to have to do some things. Um, And each of us has an opportunity um, as individuals, as small businesses, as households. And we each have an obligation, I think, to use what we need. But not to waste, right? Because we don't want to in on other people. Go ahead. You didn't fly in
0: on a private jet, did you? Sorry, Uh, Paula.
1: No, I did not. I did not fly (laughs) in on a private jet. I've never been on a private jet. <laughs>
0: but you know, well that's so cool. Like uh were you able to visit with so
1: many different people. There were 70 over 70 to 80,000 um, people there. Yes, over 70,000 and I think the numbers on the ground were closer to 100. So, um it was an incredible experience because wow. it was truly global in nature. Um and to be in right. a place like Dubai where Certainly, there's a lot of attention on Dubai because it is one of the, right, the Emirates is one of the largest oil producing countries in the world. But it is also um, what people may not, may or may not know about the Emirates is that um, in UAE, I think it's about 8% of the people who live in UAE are actually native Emirati. 90 plus percent of the folks who live there are from over 200 different countries. And so it's a- How cool is that? It's a it, yeah. It was a global city. Um, and, so and twenty five percent of their power, Paula,
0: is from the new nuclear reactor that was yes. built on time yep. and
1: on budget. Yes. Wow. Yes. Why can't and we so, do that? You know, they are <laughs> focused right on um, energy, on AI, on technology. Um, But also, I think what was clear is thinking about how do they transition as a nation and still be leaders in this space? Um, And what does that look like when we have a phase out of fossil fuel? And eventually, I think we will have a phase out irrespective of what the final language is. I'm going to I have to believe that collectively, we understand that that has to happen. What that timing is. I don't know. Is it going to be 2030? Probably not. Is it going to be 2050? I don't know. Um, but it it right. absolutely is going to have to happen, and I think you know that was one of the things that you know certainly I took from COP. But some of the other things that I took, and I will share one thing that I found really interesting because it was something I did not know um, was What's the that? impact that our healthcare system has on climate. Right. So we we often talk about the impact that climate has on our health, higher rates right. of asthma, um, lost productivity, um, students not being able to go to school. Like we understand, like. Right. The, smog, knock, socks, pollution, the yeah. impact on our health. What we don't necessarily fully appreciate, and this came out um, from one of the presenters at COP, was that if you look at the buildings and the transportation, all the things that we need to hold up our healthcare system globally, oh. it's also a major emitter of carbon, right? The wow. buildings are specialized, things that have to be built, right? We have to make sure that all the equipment is clean and sterilized, right? So they you, in a the hospital, yeah, you have girl. to be extra sure of that stuff and extra careful. Um, you have to have um, helicopters at the ready if you need to transport a patient. Um, you have to have ambulances at the ready. And you, right, all of those other things that are necessities, I think, for really good healthcare also have a carbon impact. Um, well, and mm-hmm. so- It's that duality of thinking about all of the things that we do and interact with that actually impact how much carbon is emitted into the air. Um, And in this particular case, in this company, um, their presentation, really where they landed was. That prevention is better than a cure, right? And so we we talk about healthcare, all that. the things that we can do to prevent ourselves from getting sick, but that right. prevention also helps in terms of our carbon and that carbon footprint that healthcare provides, right? So it's super interesting. Yeah. I mean, those are the kinds of things that also um you have the opportunity to experience at COP that I thought were really interesting.
0: That kind of goes along with the CEO of the this great organization, the Alliance to Save Energy, doesn't it? I would think so.
1: I mean, I think we, right, maybe that is why this particular message resonated with me so much, right? <laughs> because using none is better than using clean, exactly. even if it's clean. Using none, if I can um, power your home, heat your home, and you use less, who would not be happy about that? Um, exactly. And what we, you know, the, it necessitates, it we, we necessitates that climate necessitates um, us, I think, leaning in on um, efficiency, but I also think demand does. Um, right. We are talking about electrifying our economy, which means that we are going to be using more power. Um, and we right. need to do that without building more stuff. Right. Everything has an impact. Everything. If it's solar, if it's wind, everything has some sort of environmental or ecological impact. And so we do have to figure out while we want to electrify and and electrify more things. um, We still need to figure out how we use less because, again, building our way out of this problem problem is not a solution in my mind. Well, you
0: nailed the water problem, too, because water (laughs) is going to be a problem.
1: Water already is a problem, right? right. And so we are already seeing across this country and across the world all kinds of conflicts because of water, right? right? And so we also, that is another really important resource. Um, if we think about before the atmospheric rains in California um, last yep. year, the drought, right? And farmland right. had not seen water in months, if not years, um, we can't rely on these kind of one-off climate situations to fix no. our problems for us. Um, and we certainly aren't relying on it to create the problems that we're beginning to see. So there's so much that we can do. And I think the message around efficiency um, is that there are really big things that can be done and there are small things at the individual level that we can oh, do. So and we cool. collectively benefit from that.
0: Well, how, does, how do you as the CEO go around and help manufacturers make better stuff or how's the alliance articulate that? Because yeah. wouldn't that be a huge thing? Uh, it's one thing to put in a light that automatically turns it off so I don't have to yell at my wife. I mean, so that she doesn't yell at me. So, I mean, it it, it makes sense to have the automatic stuff, yeah. but that seems to be an easy, how do we get that to the average bear that can't afford that?
1: Well, that's, I think that's where the rubber meets the road and there are lots of companies and programs between, and I'll give you an example, Um, Google um, has partnered and they are a member of the Alliance has partnered with DTE um, to make sure that all low-income customers got free Nest thermostats so that they would have access to that technology and better be able to manage, right? Um, Right. And so across the country in different areas, you'll find programs. But I think what we need to be thinking about, certainly we think about the Alliance, is how do you get mass adoption? Mass adoption so that every customer, every small business owner has the opportunity to adopt, not because they have access to it, but that also it's affordable. Those two things have to work hand in hand. It's one thing to have all this great stuff, but if I can't pay for it, then it's just a bunch of great stuff that I can't pay for. Um, I think the good news is that between the rebates that have been built into the bipartisan infrastructure law, as well as the IRA, the tax credits that are there, um, the investment money that's coming out of the greenhouse gas reduction fund, um, the Chips and Science Act, which is really focusing on manufacturing. Like right. the administration is trying to, I think, hit all of the different levers that we need to be hitting to ensure that we have a smooth transition. Have we got right. it all right? I don't know, but I if, I wouldn't be surprised to hear that we didn't. Um, because right. you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so it is about how we get people information and talk about it enough um, right. so that they want to adopt it. At the same time, and more directly to your question, I think you would find that there are lots of companies that are really already invested in new technologies and invested in trying to figure out what they can do to lower their costs, lower their carbon emissions. Um, and so it's for some folks, You would be surprised how much carbon and how much cost can be saved just by changing out the lighting in your building. In a large commercial building, changing the LEDs can have a significant impact on cost and carbon emissions, Um, as would be things like, um, not small things, big things, but what we would call passive efficiency. So things like um, making sure that your home is fully insulated and that your building is well insulated. Um, making sure that you have a nice tight seal around your windows and your doors. Um, and I'm right. sure you have listeners, certainly I've experienced like walking by my front door that's closed and feeling a little bit breeze come in. That's not normal. We don't want that. Right. right? Um, and so that's there bad. These, there, that's bad. Um, <laughs> there are things that we can do that have an impact like setting our thermostat somewhere between 68 yep. and 72. And when we leave the house, don't turn it off. Turn it down. Right. Right. So turn it down to 55 or 60 when you're not there and then turn it up when you're home, as opposed to turning it off. Things like making sure if you're in New England, in particular, in cold weather climates, um, your water heater is wrapped to keep it warm right. during the winter and that it's the, that the temperature is not too high. Right, let so there are little guess. things that we can do, and then there are big things that we can do in terms of investments.
0: On the little things, I've always heard that it was best not to let your walls get too cold because uh, then it takes too much energy to heat them back up. Yep. is there a uh, a perfect mix like fifty degrees? Yeah, is they- it fifty
1: five? No. I think it's 55 and now I'm going back a ways, but I started my career in a utility company, in a gas company. (laughs) Um, And I had a lot of customers who had astronomical bills. And when I say astronomical, we're talking customers who had three, four, five, $600 bills a month. Wow. Yeah. And one of the things that you would see many of them would do was turn the furnace off when they weren't home because logically you'd say, I'm not using the heat, so I'm going to turn it off. And then when I come in on home, I'm going to turn it on. But you turn it up real high because you want it right. You're trying to warm up the house quickly. Um, But if you think about the amount of energy it takes for your home to go from 55 degrees to 70 degrees versus 30 degrees to 80 degrees. Right. That's really it's that turning it down. And you don't want your pipes to freeze. You actually don't want to create another problem. Um, So. You know, there are these little things that we can do. And then there are these big investments that can be made um, that, you know, the administration is really trying to support through tax credits and home rebates and um, lots of other different types of programs. And that's everything from furnaces um, and to heat pumps. um, Right. And so there's this whole gamut of things that would allow us to save um, energy. For us at the Alliance, and certainly what I firmly believe um, and what the International Energy Agency tells us is that we can get to 50% or 40% of our climate goals just through efficiency.
0: I didn't realize it was that and through much. efficiency
1: technology that exists today, not through new stuff, to the stuff that's available today, we could get a, a big portion there if we all leaned in on that tool. Is this an education?
0: And now let me ask two questions because this is important. Uh, Not the questions, but the whole concept that you're dealing with. Sorry. Uh, But when when you sit back and kind of go, it's an education kind of a thing, but it's also how do we get the supply chain to get these tools at a low enough cost and out there Mm -hmm. to everybody? Does that make sense? Because Supply chain, uh, copper is going to be really tight next year. Mm -hmm. Uh, The copper mines have got some problems going on. We have mining going on. There's a lot of things. Mm -hmm. How do we get more renewables to the grid when we can't have enough materials coming in in order to build them? Mm -hmm. This is a problem on this part. It seems that we're talking about the number one thing that we can do if we can get the supply chain fixed to get these other add-ins or tools, or the, the insulation, that
1: seems yeah. Yeah. very- I mean, it's education and, um, which is a big part, right? Meeting people where they are, and, and we're living in a world that has a whole heck of a lot going on. So, you know, getting people's attention is, is tough. So that's a big chunk of it. But the other piece, and we call it's an investment, right? And so understanding, that's an investment. That Mm. means it's not necessarily an inexpensive thing. And it means that over time, you're going to see the benefits of that investment, right? And so if you make an investment of $6,000 to further insulate your home, you're not going to see a $6,000 decrease in the first month or even the first year. But over time, you're going to more than get your money back um, in that savings. And so part of it is, How do we understand what people invest in um, and how they make those decisions and why they make those decisions? But I think for us, certainly at us, for us at the Alliance and broader as an industry is understanding that people have to are being asked to make investments in lots of things. Right. And so what is it about my thing that I want you to prioritize over something else that may be important to you? right? Right. And what are the policies or the programs that we can put in place? to make that decision easier because we've made the investment smaller. Right. So I, oh, all yeah, of that comes into play. Uh,
0: I get too excited. You know me, Paul. Yeah. I get too excited when we're you talking know. about that. I, I, I've noticed this on some of the appliances that we've gotten. And it is yeah. amazing on the newer refrigerators how much less they use. Yeah. But yet affording a new refrigerator, not everybody can do. Right. So there's there is this trade off on an investment. And if you don't have the money, you know, that's the hard part.
1: Yeah. So that, mean, that's what I think the the tax credits and the and the at home rebates, the rebates are become increasingly more important because it speaks to that right. issue. Right. We recognize that it's investment and not everybody has the money for this investment. And so yeah. you've got to be able to yeah. create access The other issues, and I I just want to I want to highlight this because we don't talk about it enough, really is energy poverty. And so the other benefit, I think, of efficiency is that there are a lot of people who actually don't use their heat and their air when they should to the detriment of their health. And so. You will find there's some research that's been done by a colleague of mine, Dr. Dusty not that will show you in areas of Ohio or, or Michigan or even um, Arizona, where you will find lower income customers who may wait another until it gets another eight to 10 degrees hotter before they turn on their air or eight to 10 degrees oh, colder yeah. before they turn on their heat. Um, that's also not a good situation. It's not good for your health. And it's just, it's so we but because it's unaffordable, um, that those are some right. of the other choices that people are making. And so again, the power of this investment is really about cost and comfort. Um, but for right. many households, it's actually about, you know, basics, right? That yes. can be the difference between me turning on my heat when it's 50 degrees out and me waiting right. until it's 35 or 40, which would be way too cold to be turning on your heat for the first time, right? Um, So we have to to consider all of that as we're thinking about the tools for this transition. Um, And for us at the Alliance, we are certainly thinking about what is the measure of success for the things that the administration is being put money on the street and that we're investing in now, Um, but then what are the gaps? And so what else Mm -hmm. do we need? Because we have um, a very aggressive goal to meet climate and we actually don't
0: have a lot of time. You know, it is uh, no. 2024, uh, 2023. Yeah, on the, uh, not not only on that, but we've got to sit back and say, I, I had a, a a brilliant idea and I think I just saw world peace uh, with this one or okay. I sounded like Miss America there for a moment. But uh, when we sit back and think, oh, wait a minute, we've got these, the power companies seem like they would be in the perfect spot to be able to get this because they're having some serious problems keeping the grid. We talk about grid stability. You would think that those guys would be the ones to really want to
1: cut down on power. Yeah, and they are, actually. I think the thing that's so interesting is that for many customers, that seems Um, Not to make any sense, right? Why would the light company want me to use more electricity? Why would the gas company want me to use more gas? But it is because of this issue that you've described. We need to keep our grid resilient. We need to be able to have grid stability. um, And efficiency creates that space so that when you have a super, super cold day um, in Texas and everybody is now turning on this heat, you still right. want have some reliability, right? Because people are being efficient in their use. And so and, and um, many companies, I would suggest utilities of country, across the country get that and they want to do that. But depending on where you right. live, it may not be the utility company that's providing that service. Right. In some uh, jurisdictions, the utility provides uh, that service. In some jurisdictions, someone else pays to provide that. They're, they're not allowed. Someone else has right. to provide that service. Um, and so. Unfortunately, it's not a universal, right? Go to your local utility company, you're going to get X, Y, Z. It kind of depends. And then when you think about customers who may be in a municipal system, maybe in public power. um, And so there are all these systems to provide services to customers. And each system may be a little bit different. But I would say across the board, the industry agrees that efficiency is actually really critical, um, not just for climate But because we're trying to manage our grid, our poles and our wires, and it is the best way for us to be able to do that. Well, Paula,
0: that is brilliant. And it because it came from you, not me. So it (laughs) it has to be brilliant. (laughs) But the the FERC came out and said the grid has got problems. How does, you know, because when if there's uh, blackouts and things, I'm always telling everybody because, you know, I live in uh, Bear Country, which is in Tornado Alley. Mm -hmm. Uh, Paul, I go figure this out. I've got an overpopulation of bears and I also live in a place where the house has been hit by tornadoes. So I'm always prepared to be able to survive by uh, without having any assistance coming in. And I don't care where you live. We as Americans and need to help our neighbors and be ready. So, I mean, we could have a uh, a blackout and or just a rolling blackout, natural disaster. How do you all tell everybody? It doesn't matter where you live. It could be effective, you know, just from any natural disaster or a rolling blackout or anything else. What are some basics that uh, the alliance has out there?
1: Yeah, so we don't make necessarily. Sense? I, it does. I mean, I think what you're describing is right. A push on the grid that I think we're seeing all over the country. um, Worse in some places than in others. Um, And certainly our regulators, as well as our our companies are really focused on like grid resiliency and and how are we gonna build new transmission um, at a time where people don't actually wanna see new transmission, right? We we do still have a little bit of nimbyism and it is still a little bit slow (laughs) to cite things in terms of permitting and to build. And these are, right, enormous hundreds of millions of dollars worth of investment. And so for us at the Alliance, when we talk about efficiency, we're talking about it in this frame of like, here's a tool that you have available to you today that can help. It cannot solve all the problems. It cannot. But it can certainly help, right? Good deployment of this tool can help with grid resiliency. It can help prevent you from having a um, blackout. But also the future of efficiency, um, I think for us as individuals, right. a lot more power, our yep. ability to sh- what we call shift and shed load. And so, right, having an EV nice. that may have a battery um, that can be backup power for your home. Um, so that right. if you outage, you're running your house off of the, the EV car, right? The EV's battery. Right. Um, all of that technology kind of exist today. I mean, I think there's some things around yeah. connectivity and maybe even cost. Um, but these are things that are right. readily available. Um, and so our job at the Alliance, and why I appreciate being on this podcast, is that I have to talk about it. And I just have to continue to talk about it um, and talk about it in different audiences. And so that's dangerous because you never want people to think that I'm offering the solution that can solve every single yeah. problem, but I kind of am offering a solution that's going to solve a lot of problems, a lot of it. Right. A lot and, of it. And not just, and so we, you know, i love to talk about efficiency as something for, for resilience, for energy security, um, to right. deal with right carbon and, and climate. But I also think it's important for us to know um that the largest employer in the energy sector is in efficiency, right? And so yeah. over two million jobs in energy actually exist in the energy efficiencies that we are the largest. I
0: did not um, know employer,
1: that right? Because and our wow. jobs and our opportunities are local, right? So it's your HVAC. It's the person who installs and upkeeps your heating and air conditioning. That would be considered or the, an the window job. replacement team. The window replacement team, the insulation wow. guy. Um, I didn't even many think. Of those of that. are opportunities that are in efficiency. Right. Many of those are union jobs. The plumber um, yep. who's working on your pipes. Um, and so part, and, and the fact that they are local, I think is really important, right? We it's cannot miss um, this moment that we are also trying to have um, what I would describe as an industrial revolution in terms of this energy transition um, right. and we're doing it in such a way that requires that we focus um, on the least of us first and on community right. first. And so I agree. Um, we talk about job opportunity a lot. I like to talk about wealth creation because everybody doesn't want to do a paying job. Um, We know that there are companies and businesses who will make a lot of money off of this transition. And we should be talking to communities about that as well. Um, And so I prefer local ownership of those companies. Absolutely local. Right. Because the reality is, is somebody from Oklahoma going to Virginia to fix my heat pump? No. No. (laughs) <laughs> right. He's going to be. And, and and that's what we want. That's what we right. want. And then the side, the, the other piece of that, Stu, right, is what is the power in terms of economic development when we upgrade our buildings, when we start to have an infrastructure that looks good? that feels good, right? When you're yep. moving the company into a new community and here's this, we have great schools, we have a great workforce, here's our infrastructure, right. like all of that matters um, for communities. And I think right. the, the story of efficiency is that we can effectuate all of those changes. Isn't all that of great? that has something to do with us. And so that's why I'm so excited about it, right? Because I can't solve every problem, but I think that I could probably solve a whole bunch of them. You can't
0: solve every problem, but you touch every problem. Yeah. I'm serious. You cross paths with every problem, Paula.
1: Absolutely. That's huge. Absolutely. Well, because I think for, for us at the Alliance, right, um, we f- we can truly be fuel nat- neutral. Yeah. If you have natural gas in your furnace, I want you to have the most efficient natural gas furnace you can possibly have. If energy did, agnostic, energy agnostic, right. If you have to use, I, when I lived in Connecticut, I had an oil burner, right? If you have to have an oil burner, I want that to be the most efficient thing. That's at least thing. using You're the right? best
0: lowest sulfur Absolutely. Uh, oil. Absolutely.
1: And I want you to be in a home. That is well ventilated and well insulated. So you
0: use less of it.
1: This is so cool. Right? Okay. All of that well, is tied together. I got to confess
0: my sins here. And, okay. you know, so we can pretend we're in a confessional here. Michael and I have had our podcast for three years and... I haven't talked very much. This is maybe my second conversation on energy savings uh, and actually doing this. That's how sad this is. I can tell you how much problems around the world, who's doing what political this or how many wells or how many coal plants. This is sad. This is really sad that this could impact just about everything else even more.
1: It really could. And it's technology driven. I think, um, you know, as an industry, you know, we often want to talk about we're not a sexy industry or, you know, we are not nasty or like whatever all that is. Um, But we are a a technological industry, right? And so the idea, um, and I don't know that people know this, right? But we, but I have colleagues who have companies that, you know, everything is can be censored in your building. So not only will I know, um, what rooms you're in in a building, but right. who's using what space and when they're using that space and is, how much, is, and you can shift, right? How where um, where your lighting is and what lights yep. are on and off, how you're thinking about your heating and cooling based yep. on the occupancy of a building. That's all sensors, right? Um, we have a member um, at the Alliance Willow. They build digital twins, um, and so um, Big, what they're able to do a digital yeah. twin which is like a digital map of every piece of technology in your building or your lighting, your cooling, oh. your heating, your water, wow. um, and how things are plugged in or plugged, not plugged in. Um, one of their um, customers is a Dallas-Fort Worth Airport. Oh. And just in, um, I think, a very short period of time with one airline, Um, and understanding how planes that come into the jet bridge and whether or not you plug that plane in to use the power right from the building, or are you keeping this plane running?
0: Um, Or are you plugging into a portable generator?
1: And one of the things that they learned was that a lot of times um, the plane wasn't being plugged in, right? It was was still operating on fuel. There was a concern about turning it off and powering it back on and, and all that technological. And just from that Um, Having that digital twin that allowed this airline to see how the planes were being used, when when they were being plugged in and not plugged in, enabled them to sell, I think, tens of millions of dollars in jet fuel a year. Isn't that crazy? So So, uh, are they using AI for this or is this? I think uh, it's sensors. It's sensors on equipment. Um, But but they're also moving the direction of AI and using some predictive analytics of understanding like behaviors once you have all of that data. Um, and so that's just to say that efficiency is the hard stuff, right? It's it, yeah. the insulation, it's the windows, it's the doors, but it's also the smart meters, right. It's the digital wow. twins, it's artificial intelligence. It's, it's that's cool, right? We, 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 um, we're broad in that way as an industry. Right. um. But I think if people think about it that way, you see how it has power to work in lots of different mediums. Um, because it wow. is technology, just technological as well as some hands on stuff.
0: I got about two more questions. We're about out of time. But um, where do you see uh, pol- working with our policymakers, the legislative branches and everything else for this next 2024? What are some of your key goals as a CEO trying to go help move this message forward? in working with the policymakers because this is a huge, huge deal, yeah. Paula.
1: I think, you know, for us at the Alliance, my biggest goal this year is to continue to build a bigger tent. Um we a at bigger the bigger what? A bigger tent. We need to bigger build a bigger tent, a larger coalition. Um,
0: oh, okay, you know, got, got
1: it. We, we, I benefit. I have an honorary. Board. I went
0: camping as soon as you oh, said sorry. that. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh yay. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, we, at sorry. the alliance, um, we have I have an honorary board of advisors, bicameral, bipartisan. Um, nice. and So we spend a lot of time working with um, our policymakers on both sides of the aisle, and we are really thankful for their support. I think um, they understand, right, that what we're talking about. Has great inter um right. So for some policymakers, it's huge climate benefit. For other climate, it's a huge economic benefit. Right. Um. And so we do that, but we are doing more of that. We are looking at state um and local elected leaders. We're looking at um our climate our conservative climate caucus or our Hispanic caucus right. or American caucus. Um. We're thinking about what are the ancillary or the other technologies that enable what we do that we need to be thinking about, things like broadband and access to broadband, high-speed internet, incredibly important. Um, We think at the Alliance, we have um, a school program. So we are very much, you know, working with educators and and working with our companies so that our students understand not only the job opportunities for efficiency, but actually the power of efficiency. And and so seeing students um, as young as second grade through high school come up with energy savings projects for their own schools and implement Isn't that them, cool? right? Um, and so we're at the Alliance, my goal this year is to build a bigger tent, which is to, how do I get more people in different types of areas to think about the power that efficiency can do to do good for what their priorities are, right? Wow. What their priorities are. Um, and then measuring our success, telling stories about our success, Um, measuring that success in a real quantifiable way that you can, you know, share that out with some real data and and proof points. And also, right, keeping our eye on what's going on now. Again, hundreds of billions of dollars that are going to be invested um, in efficiency and manufacturing that's starting to come out now over the next several years. Um, And our role at the Alliance is to, to, one, understand how that money is being invested and make sure um, that we measure the success of those investments so that those investments are reflective of what our desires are, not in 2030, 2040, 2050 when our time is up, but in right. 24, 25, 26, 27. So that we have the ability as an association to think right. about are there areas that we need to pivot? Um, yep. do we need to be more creative about the tools and the technology? But we um over this year and coming are constantly just looking behind our shoulders and keeping track of what we're doing in real time.
0: Nice. And, you know, you got to have the broadband in order to help get the real time to that home. So uh, I'll tell you, uh, Paula, this is so cool. How do people
1: uh, your website is ASE.org? Yes, please come visit us at ASE.org. Um connect with us on LinkedIn, Alliance to Save Energy. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn, Paula Glover at the Alliance to Save Energy. Um, you know, we are happy to talk with anyone who's interested in talking to us. I think this is and I'm
0: gonna have links to this article in the show notes because this was really cool.
1: Yeah. And I am so thank you for taking the time,
0: Paula. I had such a blast and, and it was great. Uh, visiting with you and I can't wait to visit again. If you and the Alliance ever need to get the word out, let us know because we sure want to get the word out for
1: you. Well, we absolutely have some good things happening over the next year as it relates to virtual power plants, more with our demand is the new supply. Um, what does equity look like in an energy transition? And so we certainly yep. would love the opportunity to keep in touch with your audience um and you share what we're doing.
0: We do not want to leave anybody behind, we honestly. We no, can't my I- you. No, my wife leaves me behind all the time. We go shopping. I just go sit in the corner and then she goes home. So, you know, that's how that happened. Just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, thank you for stopping by the podcast. I do appreciate (laughs) it.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.